What's up, everybody? It's Lukey, fresh out of surgery. Oh, my goodness. We went live, and Marquise Taylor is here. Look at that. We planned it perfect. Impeccable fucking timing. Impeccable timing, and he's not in a car. This is this is a, a, a boxing 1v1. Where did he go? Oh, okay. Did someone try to call you? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, it's the man of the hour, marvelous Marquise Taylor. Um, we've, we've been very high on you. On your performance, why? Let me let me run my japper. And you're drinking some tea. I love to see a little tea consumed yeah. in the podcast. Yeah. You're everything that's right with boxing, bro. You're you're taking the hard fights. You're winning the hard fights. You're not sugarcoating it. All these other fighters are trying to get the easiest path to a title. <clears throat> not you, bro. And we respect it because you're a battle tested veteran, bro. So we wanted you on. We appreciate you sharing the social media post. But bro, we respect your journey because nothing nothing's been given to you. Yes, sir. You dead on, man. And uh, I'm just I'm I'm grateful that somebody recognizes it, you know. So I appreciate you. You're real, recognized, real, and we put you in the thumbnail. Dakota, take over the interview to start. Hey, listen, Marquise, bro. It was a hell of a performance. I mean, we both kind of felt like it was essentially a shutout. You got a sense of his range right from the start. You smothered him. And you were the one landing the cleaner shots. What did you see in that first round that you felt like, all right, if I get close to this man, he's not going to be able to work? Um. Well, when I just felt, when I felt his overall like strength in the first round, I knew that I couldn't box this guy for ten rounds. You know. I knew I couldn't – let me tell you why. I knew I couldn't box him for 10 rounds because if I would have tried to box him on the outside, he w I would have never taken anything out of him. He'd have had crazy power towards the end. I probably would have got tired trying to move and, you know, evade all those punches. So after the first round when I felt his strength, I went back to my corner, told my pops, I was like, I'm going to have to sit down. You know, I'm going to have to sit down and push forward. I can't let this guy push me back. You know, I got to go ahead, get in the dog rounds early. Like, I can't, you know, I can't wait. I can't risk getting tired. I can't risk getting late, late in the fight, and I haven't touched him to the body. I can't do that. So I knew from the first round I had to go ahead and sit down and push forward. It's interesting that you say that because a lot of times with a puncher, the the default is like oh I have to box with him from the outside. Yeah. But I feel like that changed since the uh, the second Fury Wilder, where it's like Fury yeah. took it to him and smothered his power. And so now there's yeah. like if you can get a power puncher to move back and be uncomfortable, it's very difficult for them to do what they want. Exactly. I feel like the power puncher in today's time they know how to beat that now because. That's, that's kind of old school, you know, a box the power puncher or, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's kind of like the old school way of thinking. Like, you get in there with, with a power punch, oh, box them. But, I mean, power punchers have evolved. Power punchers know how to box now themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yo, it's credit to him. He knew how to pick his feet up. You know, he knew how to create the space, kind of move back a little bit. Power punchers are evolving. Power punchers know how to wait on you to create that space. And catch you on the end of the shot, which happens with a lot of boxers these days. You see, um, 
you see a lot of these games when 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 boxers try to box the power puncher, it, it hasn't been working. They've been, you know, power punch been catching up with like guys trying to come in there and box. Well, and they're used to having to go find it. So, yeah. so they're used to having to go find it. So if you get in their chest and you and you smother that power like you did against Yo Elvis, it's very it's very tricky. And I just think that not just to think it, but to be able to go out and actually do it, like to feel yeah. that punching power and be like, nah, I need to get closer to it. Yeah. It takes it takes a special fighter to do that. I want to yeah, I want to be hype man right now. It remind me of uh, Dre Ward getting in there with Kovalev. Just uh, taking it to him because it felt like exactly. you felt some and you said, nah, we're not doing this tonight. Exactly. You made a mental decision to be like, we're dogging you. And yeah. I, I kind of saw him mentally being like, damn, why aren't you scared yeah. of me? Like I saw yeah. him in the third, fourth round when you sat him on his wallet. I saw yeah. a look in his face where he's like, I'm supposed to be the ones kicking your butt. Yeah. Why yeah. aren't you? Why aren't you afraid of me, bro? I'm the I'm the boogeyman. Dude, talk me through that sense. You know, I had to jump in and be a hype man. Oh, so. Like you said, I, I basically I twisted it. I twisted everything. Like you know, he he's used to opponents getting in there with him that are scared of him, that are fighting timid, that are fighting to survive, and not fighting to hit him, fighting to win. So when I start pushing forward, everything changed. He went from being a bully to me being a bully. I feel like he went from being a power puncher to me being a power puncher. And I also got him to start to create the space. So we get inside. We're mixing it up. I got him to be the one that wanted to get out, the one to get from inside. You know, he wanted to pull back or he wanted to turn out, you know. So it got to a point where I started bullying the bully. And that second round, when I dropped him, I realized that he was – he was on his heels. He was going straight back. He was throwing meaningless shots. So when I seen that, I kind of just just set it up and dropped my head and I plow because I see he was going straight back. He had no defense, and he created that space. So when he created that space, you know, I got pretty long arms. He thought he was out the way, and boom, hit him with right the Roger the Clemens fastball right on the temple. He didn't see it. And why you Do you think he, he was surprised by that? Huh? Do you think he was surprised by yeah, how you came at him? Because I, I mean, obviously, you don't have very many knockouts, and he had he he's known as a he's known as a knockout guy. You know, he's a knockout artist. So, exactly. So he he's in a he's in there thinking like you know, oh, I can back straight up and be throwing these shots and not have, not having my chin and my temple covered. You know, it, you know, I can give up a few shots with this guy. He has one knockout. I said at the press conference, they think they know who they're getting in there with. They think they know. If they get in there, they're like, what the f But then by that time, what I say, it's too late. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like what that. That's like a Joker laugh. That's like a sinister laugh right there. I like that one. <laughs> what what do you attribute like the uh, the lack of knockouts? Because I, when I'm watching you, I don't look at like a a, a Malinaji. I feel like yeah. I'm looking at a guy that's got a decent set of hands. Do you think it's just that you're fighting top guys every time out, or like yeah. what? What in your mind is it? I was brought up different in the game. Like they didn't give me like five, six cab drivers and all that. I went three and zero, oh, and boom, they threw me in there after three and zero. Oh, 
I fought like eight undefeated fighters. Two fighters with, one, with only one loss. Kermit Centron. Uh, you know, so after after my third fight, it was no more babysitting. It was no more no more cab drivers. Matter of fact, a lot of fights I had to dig I had to dig deep to win. You know, so let alone a knockout, I had to dig deep in a lot of my fights to come out the winner. You know what I'm saying? I had this that people like don't even realize I had a cut the first round. Fought with a cut all ten rounds. But against your Elvis, uh, against your Elvis, I had a, had a big gash on stitches right now. I had a big gash that opened up the very first round due to a headbutt. You couldn't even tell. I didn't. I didn't change the way I fight or anything. I had a. I was bleeding, leaking everything. You couldn't even tell by the way I was fighting. But I had a whole cut, and the reason that is is because I've had like four headbutts before. I had like three cuts in the fight. I had like a broken hand in the fight. I've had a bruised rib in a fight. I've been through so much adversity throughout my career. That's why I say it's nothing in the ring that I haven't fought and, through. And politics, Marquise. Oh, we I've lost him. Um, yeah, you're popular. But I was going to say, I want just to hype man you. And politics. You've been in adversity in the ring and outside because you always are the B-side. On yeah. this fight, you were the random fighter, if we're going to keep it real. Here's yeah. Yo Elvis, the knockout guy, and here's the random fighter. He's got a yeah. good record, but... I heard people in the lead up to this saying, well, he's not really on Yo Elvis's level. And I looked at your resume and I go, well, that's a real resume. Yo Elvis, look, he's a good fighter. But his record has been very, uh, we don't want to say manufactured, but it's been very favorable. He hasn't had to go go down a well. And, and I think that there's some level of mental strength modern boxers don't have that you have. Like a guy like Brian Mendoza, a guy like you. You guys have battled back from adversities that politics of boxing might break the average boxer. Yep. Hey, I look back. It's still crazy to me. You know, I remember when I lost my first fight against Ladarius Miller back in Vegas, like almost nine years ago. You know, he was uh he was on the Mayweather promotions at the time. Fought him under, you know, a Mayweather Promotions card. It was a good fight, you know. I thought I pulled it out, you know what I'm saying? But he got the win. And uh, I just remember, I remember that night. I took a long look at myself in the mirror, and I told myself I'll never, let, I'll never lose again, you know. And I don't care who I fight. I don't care about record. I don't care about any of that, you know. Boom, my next fight, I fought a guy that was 8-0 right after that. And I beat him, and then after that, I Golden Boy fight. Here. Was that a Golden Boy fight? Yeah, it was a Golden Boy fight. Oscar Torres. Got good. Him, got right? a good memory. Uh huh. Yep. And I beat him, and then after that, I was like, "Man, I'm, I'm coming for everybody else. I got my old ticket. I'm coming for everybody else. Seriously." And after that, I, I just been, you know, kind of feeding off that momentum. Like, hey, I fight any undefeated fighter. I fight anybody. I'm coming to win. And ever since then, you know, is I developed a style that um, that I can go. I was going into guys' backyards, you know, on their promoter's card, beating them. And usually in boxing, you would need a knockout to to beat a lot of these guys. You just talking about politics, so you you would need a knockout. But I developed this style, or I beat them up so bad every round. <laughs> 
it, you know, it got pretty hard to cheat me. You know, last time I fought cheating was um, when I fought Paul Crow. I thought I got that fight. You know, it was a good fight. You know, shout out to uh, to Paul. He did, you know, he did his thing too. But uh, saw him showing love to you on your IG too. Huh? I yeah, saw him showing love guy. on IG. Uh, Paul's a cool yeah, dude, bro. Really. People, yeah, he's a he's a real genuine guy, and he's been through a lot he's of really stuff true. outside the ring. You know. Yeah, he's a real one. Shout out to him, man. Uh, you know, he's coming back. He's about to fight on uh showbox August fourth. I hope he does. Uh, Guido Scram. Real Scram, tough. Yeah. yeah, tough, tough guy. Paul gotta throw those punches if he fights that kid. Mm -hmm. That kid's throwing 80 punches around. But Paul, Paul been in there. Paul's another guy. He don't have a pattern right. You know, he's been in there with a lot of a lot of tough guys. So this this won't be nothing new to him. You know, he's been yep. in there with me, Lucas Santa Maria. He he he's been in there with Mark Dawson Jr. Yeah, he he been in there with, with, so you know I'm sure he he should be able to handle this pretty well. Goes top point, like you said, a lot of a lot of fighters they you know they trying to take the, the easiest way to the title. They're trying to take the easiest way, and then it's you know, lame, bro. It's lame because then, this is this is supposed they, to be about they, respect. Then they walk around with all this arrogance, you know, like like last dude I fought Gomez, you know, at the press conference, ways, you know, was very arrogant, cocky. On his high horse, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, bro, boom, six fights, boom, y'all Showtime Championship. I'm like, bro, I'm just telling you about my first loss almost nine years ago. But I had to go through, I had to go through hell and hot water. And I had to beat another knockout artist before you that was eight no seven knockouts, Marlon Harrington. And I still had to wait nine months to get this opportunity. And you're sitting here, you all cocky, you all, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, it's just, to me, it's just real funny. Then you got everybody on the outside gassing him up. He's this big knockout artist. He's this, he's that. And I just got to, you know, keep quiet, you know, until Saturday. Like, boy, I, I cannot wait to get in the ring, to shut everybody up because they really, a lot of fans really don't do their research. A lot of people in boxing really don't do their research. Or you no. Well, and the broad the broadcasts never go out of their way to they introduce the B research. side in the same way as they introduce the A side. There's always a yeah, narrative. Yeah. There's always a narrative around exactly. this is the guy we're highlighting tonight, and then there's the other guy. What happens in his life and his career is not that important because we're focusing on this guy. Oh, so it's about yeah, whether yeah, they yeah. win or they lose. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was just like, that's why I was like, you know, I'm not gonna say too much. I was like, because they they don't know. If you know, you know. A lot of people in boxing, they do know. They do know if Marquise Taylor comes to fight and he's on the B side, 10 times out of 10, he's about to pull that upset. See, a lot of people do know. A lot of people in boxing, they know. And you see me on that B side, I'm one of the fighters that's coming to actually pull the upset. Because when it comes to that aspect of boxing, it's been real trash lately. There hasn't been no upsets. The guys that are supposed to win have been winning. The guys that are supposed to get knocked out, they've been getting knocked out. So finally, a guy on the B side is, is looking to come and shake the sport up and upset people, which is me. You know what I'm saying? And, and a lot of people, they do know that. they like, oh, oh, Marquise Taylor fighting. Oh. Well, the other uh, thing about that, Marquise, too, is, is a lot of times guys in your position – if they don't win in as dominant a way as you're winning, they just don't get the decision, right? If you if you come yeah. in as the B side and you win six seven rounds, you know pretty obviously 
a lot of times you just don't get that call. And that's the, you. yeah. You gotta, man, I'm a perfect, but I'm a professional B-sider, you know? Right. I know, I know, I know what it, yeah, I've been on the B-side after that fight. I think that was my ninth time. So right. I'm a professional B-sider and I know, I, I tell people this all the time, I know what it takes to win. I know what it takes to win on a B-side. And I'll, I'll tell you what it takes to win on a B-side. First, it takes it takes you to first win the crowd over because perception is big. The oohs, the ahs, the judges, they pay attention to that. You know what I'm saying? When you find a big power puncher, you can block something. Pow, but it's a big shot. The crowd, ooh, you block it. It happened when I fought young because I was blocking a lot of shots. But since he's such a big puncher, he has a big thud, you get that ooh, ah. So first, you went over the crowd. And after you went over the crowd, you start winning over the commentators. Then after you went over the commentators, you got to create separation. You can't just be a B-side fighter and go in a fight and just have good rounds and just look good and look a little bit better than the A-sider. You can't do that. As a B-side fighter, you got to create separation. Right. Me dropping them in the second round, that's separation. You know, me coming out the third through the eighth round, pressing them, keeping them on his heels, four-shot combinations, um, hitting them with big shots, big right hands, good body shots. That It started creating that separation to where, like, for, for – Five or six rounds is all you hear. Oh, Taylor hitting her with this. Oh, Taylor working the body. Oh, Taylor, you know what I'm saying? So that's all you hear in the whole fight is Taylor, Taylor, Taylor. And then, boom, Steve Farley puts his card up, and I'm up by six, seven rounds, and I'm steady pressing forward, creating that separation. Now every time I hit him with a big shot, I got the crowd. I got the crowd going nuts for me now. I got the company. My bad. I got the commentators talking about me now. So I created that separation. And now it's like it's hard. It gets hard for the judges to cheat me now. Right. You know? Because you have to do more than win the fight. You have to completely shift yeah. the narrative of the event. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I also want to bring up uh, our friend Sev, Combat Sports, said I can definitely relate to everything he's saying right now. And I think there's something that everybody needs to hear. Sev is also an amateur boxer who just lost a fight and he feels that he had won the fight. And I think that the way you're relaying all this information, it's resonating with people, or at least our audience, it's resonating. I wanted to say with separation, separation is a word I use a lot in boxing with prospects too. If you're supposed to be a hot, a big million dollar prospect, boy, you better separate. If you're fighting a B side fighter and there's a hundred thousand dollars being put into you, yeah. I need to see separation because if you're looking like a uh, eight round fighter against a regional talent is where your ceiling is, there's something yeah. wrong. Yeah. I agree. Kind of just happened to Jahai recently. You know what I mean? Where Jahai kind of won the fight, but it was a guy that wasn't quite at his level and he didn't separate himself. And he kind of learned that lesson the hard way about the politics and didn't get the decision. So it does happen all the time. What was it? Key word separation. You gotta, you gotta separate yourself because uh, that's why you know. I, even in the in the Paul Crow fight, 
you know, I, you know, I used to be real, real mad, but then, you know, now I think about it, I'm like, hey, that's, that's, that's on me. I got I should have separated myself maybe a little bit more than what I did. So, you know, I, I take that into consideration now in training camps, and I just I just know when I get in there, I got to separate myself. I know the narrative is I'm, I'm brought there to lose. I'm brought there to get knocked out. So I can't just go in there just to look good, just to look decent. I got to go in there and separate myself. I'm not just going to to look good or or even just to win. You know, our motto is we want to be the most talk, talked about fighter on the card. We want to be the MVP on the card. And, and that was hard for me to do because look, look who's headlining, Boots. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like one of the most talked about fighters in the mind. It's like Boots, Shakur, and Jared. Jared walks yeah. out with you. You spar Shakur and Boots is here. It's like you're in the shadow of all these the big fighters of this era, yeah. basically, and you're trying to stand out. I'm trying to stand out. So that's not that's not an easy task. So when you start, that's the that's the type of mindset that you have to have. When you start thinking like that, it gets hard to lose. When you're when you're when you're trying to have a top notch performance, that that goes past just trying to win. You can't go in a fight just trying to win because that There's leaves, no coach thing. Yeah, that leaves room for you to lose. You got to go in a fight as a boxer, like man, I'm going to have a spectacular performance. You know, people could win and not be talked about because the win was, eh, you know. You want to go in there and have that performance where have people talking like, man, did you see that kid? Did you see that kid, Marquise Taylor? Hey, man, he, you know, that's the type. That's the type of reaction I want to get out of people, and that's that's what I I I, I strive to do. I try, I try to go in there and be the, the most talked about, the best fighter of the night. So it, it pushes me to not only want to win, but to win in spectacular fashion and actually go in there and, and shine. You know. So, it, it get. It, I don't know. You know, I don't know how to lose anymore because I'm, I'm trying to. I'm fighting against myself. I'm always fighting against my last performance. This was a really good performance, but my next fight, I want it better than this performance. So I feel like as long as I keep that mindset of trying to just have better performances every time, it's hard to lose. It's, you get to a point where you don't know how to lose. You know, all you know how to do is go in there and, and look spectacular and win, no matter who they put in front of you. What was that Shakur work like? Hard. You know, he's one of the one of the defensive geniuses in the sport. You know, have one of the most, you know, intelligent and one of the most high IQs in the sport. It's hard to hit the guy. <laughs> I'm saying it's hard to hit the guy. And it's not hard for him to hit you. And uh he has very accurate punches. All his punches are accurate and sharp, you know. And luckily for me, he stays he stays in the gym. Like I don't even think he has a date yet. He stays in the gym and he give you twelve rounds straight. And we went eleven. We were supposed to go that day in the gym. We were supposed to go six rounds. We ended up sparring eleven rounds. It's no secret to why that guy is, you know. Already in pound for pound talk so young, so early in his career. It's no secret why when y'all watching, y'all see what y'all see. You know, it's no secret to why I think he's been hit the less in every round or some crazy statistic like that. It's no secret to it. The guy works hard. Um, he's in there sparring me, a middleweight. 
and uh, <laughs> one thirty-five as a little guy, and um, it was good for me because I knew Yovis wasn't going to be that fast. Like one, Gomez is not going to be this quick. Gomez is not going to be able to counter this fast. Gomez is not going to have the reflexes, the reaction time as a Shakur Stevenson because you know Shakur's is naturally faster than than us one sixty pounders by far. So when um when I was going with him, we was doing our thing, doing our work. Said we knew in camp, and we we knew in camp what what was about to take place way before we got to the fight. We knew four minute rounds still. Four minute rounds. Thirty, 30 second break. Yep. Okay. I'm a seasoned veteran. I know. I know the the get down because that can get on you. Um, it seems like Shakur has this ability for sparring people, where if he if he does rounds with you and he gets along with you, it really yeah. helps the guy that he's sparring. Because we, now we've seen Kenny Sims Jr. go into the the Elvis. Uh, really, if you've got Elvis in your name, you should not let your opponent spar Shakur because <laughs> there's a bad track record there. Kenny Sims fought Elvis Rodriguez lost. Yeah. Yo Elvis Shakur sparred him. But I guess I'm just curious because it feels like a lot of times ego comes into play with sparring. Sure. He's smaller than you, but it seems like he's a real craftsman who yeah. when you spar him, you, you get better. You're, you're sharper yeah. for your fight. And and that's, that's what you're trying to do in sparring. You're trying to learn. You're trying to, you want to be a sponge. You want to soak in knowledge, you know? You want to feed. When you're on a certain level and you spar another guy that's that's on elite level as well, you know, y'all just, y'all feeding off each other. Y'all taking, you know, tools from each other, you know, like, oh, that works. Let me try it. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of stuff in boxing, you can't beat it. You just got to join it sometimes. Like, and, and you just, you know, you, you know, you get in there to learn. And, uh, I mean, knowing that this is probably top three, and he probably and he ain't number three. You know, he top three softballs right now in the game. So I said I was lucky, I was blessed to have that right there at the gym I go to at Jay Prince. You know, you know, I, I knew for a fact that Yovas ain't have anybody to spar that fight like me. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to find work. I have a unique style, and that's another thing that I was telling them in the press conference. You know, I gotta. I got a surprise factor because you ain't never been in there. A lot of boxers say this, but when you when you try to compare my style, it's kind of hard, you know, um, to compare it to anybody. It's kind of it's very unique. Nobody really fight like me, you know. Well, I was I was gonna add to that too, bro, because it feels like maybe that's part of the B-side thing is some of the fans maybe don't understand what it is that you're doing in there. If they're a casual fan, they haven't watched a lot of boxing. They don't yeah. understand what you're doing and why it's so effective, you yeah. know, that the, the the way you're going about your business just because it's unfamiliar to them. It's not, yeah. it's not flashy. You're not laying guys out. You're just in there with tough guys and you're figuring out a way to get it done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot. A lot of casual fans said I cheated. <laughs> How so? Like, man, How so? He's cheating. He's pushing the guy back, holding the guy, and uh, hitting on the break and cheated his way. I'm like, like man, y'all know y'all just explained prof what professional boxing is. Professional That's like saying boxing. somebody ran, bro. That's like saying somebody ran. Anytime a guy goes, he ran the whole fight, I'm like, ah, man, you got a lot to work on. <laughs> yeah, a lot to and then, you know, and this is why I love boxing. 
because they're like, oh, you held the whole time. I threw 711 punches in 10 rounds. Yeah. Who's throwing over 70 punches a round? How am I holding the whole? That's a lot of punches. And when I'm in there, I never really feel like I'm throwing that many until I see the fight. And I was like, whoa, I really was letting my hands go. Do you change speeds? Is that part of your trick? Like you're not just loading up. You just let them fly. Yeah. Like you're mixing gears. So then, because if, if you were throwing like 700 power shots, I think most people think, oh my God, if I let the big bazooka off 700 times, I'd be winded. But it seems like yeah. you change your speeds a lot. That's kind of like one of your successful things. Yeah. Sometimes I just need to, I just need to get them there. You know, I don't, it don't need to be hard. I don't need to take that extra split second to, to load up. I just need to, you know, I need to get it there. Sometimes I do make up my mind. I'm going to sit down on this one, you know, and a lot of times uh, I caught him by surprise with overhand rights. I wouldn't even throw the jab. I'll just sit down, Bow! throw a hard one right down the middle and catch him. Every, I, I think I caught him most times with that. Like I'll just pick my times to sit down, boom, throw a big one, let them know that, you know, I'm not playing, you know, that's the thing. A lot of a lot of boxers think I don't have power until they get in there with me. Cause y'all see how much, how much she was ducking. <laughs> you see how much he started ducking. You know why he started ducking? Some shots. Right. He's and he's he's not running right at you either. By the way, by halfway good. through the fight, he's not he's not being as aggressive. Hey, did you see after the sixth round how, how he started boxing, picking up his feet, and moving around? Well, since when he do that? <laughs> Right. When it, it looked awkward, right? You know, have you ever seen a guy that like sparred completely different than how they're f- trying to fight? Yeah. It looked like he was trying to do yeah. it on the fly. Like he, the whole exactly. camp, he had never been working on this. And he's like, yeah. all right, here's plan B. Let me just try to do this on the fly. You know, I had him second guessing himself. He didn't want to throw the big shots, the big explosive shots he usually throw because he knew that it was a chance he was going to get hit again. And he didn't want to get dropped again. He was already embarrassed. So he started second-guessing himself. He started trying to pick his feet up the box. And that's when I knew I had him. I'm like, oh, the bully. It ain't no more bully Elvis no more. It's, it's oh, you're trying to box now. Oh, you're ducking. You know what I'm saying? You put your hand Well, I saw the bully. Marquise, I saw the bully in him. But yeah. typically bullies, if you punch them in the face, they go backwards. They go backwards. So I really saw the bully in him. Because when you stood to him, he looked more like a bully to me because I've never seen a bully that's really a tough guy. It's always the quiet guys that are the tough guys. And then this was really, this was really, this is when he really knew he lost. He had caught me flush a couple times, right? And I looked at him and I hit him with three body shots. You should have saw the way he looked at me after that. He was like, man, I knew after that it was over. When he caught me the hardest he, he could throw, and I stood there, came forward, and kick, 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 three shots right to his belly. Y'all should have seen the way he looked at me. He was like, oh, hell. <laughs> he looked at you like he saw a ghost? He was like, man, usually guys they put in front of me, all I got to do is hit them with that boom, and it's over. I just hit you my hardest, and you came forward again and hit me to the body. He was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> that, that's the classic a side they got the girls that are super hot and crop tops they're waiting to get the knockout they want to go to the after party and they're like oh god i invited my yeah. whole family for this one tell, yeah, tell us about oh go ahead oh my bad i'm just gonna add you know this is my second that was my second time moving up and waiting nine months 
Well, where, what that, weight like, do you want to be at? What weight do you want to be at? Because you fight at 54 and middleweight. Middleweight absolutely sucks. There's only a few guys that are good there. So, I mean, there's probably an easier mm -hmm. chance for a belt. But do you feel I'm good a, at that weight? Man, yeah, I'm a two-weight division fighter now. You know, I'm a two-weight <laughs> division fighter. <laughs> I, I, I fight at both. You know, a guy like me got to leave as many doors of opportunity open as possible. Like you said, 60 is wide open. Um I mean, wide open. Um, that would be the easy route, to, in my opinion, to, to go to the world title. I feel like none of those guys can beat me at all. Um, 54 is just tied up. You got Mel about to fight Canelo. You got Tim Zoo, Brian Mendoza waiting right there in line. So if I do get one of those guys, if I do get a top guy, hell yeah, I'll do it. But if not, and I say I get a Big opportunity at 60. You know, you, you know we're taking that. Call out some names, bro. Yeah, what do you want? The, we want, we don't want this. Want. No offense. We can't be politically yeah, we, correct. We want everybody at the top five. We've want. We we've been calling out um, um, Fendura for the longest. We've been calling out Tim Zoo. Now, I've been calling out uh, – I, I, I like to fight Brian Mendoza. That's a 54. The top guys, Romos. I've been, I've been, calling, I've been calling guys out my whole career. At 60, the toughest guy is who is Carlo Adams, right? I feel like I can beat him. I'll fight him at 60. Who who else at 60? I don't really know a lot of guys at 60. They got Janabe Janabek is up there with top rank. Um, there's, there's no, a guy in Germany him. that just won. I bet you, I bet, I bet you all the money I got that that, that, that they don't want that top rank won't don't want to see me. You say top rank got somebody? Yeah, they, they got they got a Kazakh fighter. It don't matter where he's from. I bet you they won't put him in the ring with me. I'll tell but, you one that I'd love to see is you and Shane Mosley Jr., man, and uh, another friend of the program. I know Lukey's had him on a couple of times, but I think that's a fantastic matchup with you and him. Man, I love that fight. I would, I would love that fight. I would love that fight, man. That'd be great. Come on, Shane Mosley Jr. is Shane Mosley's son, you know. I would, love, I would love that fight. You know what I'm saying? His dad's a legend. There's some good young middleweights. There's nobody that's like at, at contender status yet, but you got all these young. You got Troy Isley and Elijah Garcia. There's a bunch of really young talent. I think it's only a matter of time before they build themselves. Xander, up. Xander's going to be there soon. You know, the, all those guys will get you there. Know, he, but been not, running, he been running like a track star. From you? I've been calling out Xander too. It, but, you know. These guys, guys like that, I get it. They, they young cats, man. They young guys, man. Xander's Day is not ready for the type of heat I'm bringing. It's going to be the same thing that you just saw last Saturday. It's going to be the same thing, Luke. Guys I, like lo that, I love this demeanor, bro. You're talking like a real fighter, bro. What I hate is when a fighter's like, I don't know if I got it. Maybe I could do it. Like, I love hearing this real – Real big dog talk. Man, I'm I'm really a humble guy. I'm just saying, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth, Luki. A guy like Xanazet is not ready for me, man. It's, it's not, like, again, it will not be the hardest fight I had. For him, it will be. But for me, to be honest with you, like I said at the press conference, I want to I want a belt. I want a title shot. I'm you you deserve a title shot, bro. I, you really do. Prospects. What's what's fighting a prospect gonna do for me? I've already it's it's really no reward for me. I, at this point, I'm supposed to beat right. every prospect. I'm a vet. I'm supposed to beat them. You know, it'd be a big deal for them to beat me. 
But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm looking for the fight that once I win, that like, oh, he's a real deal now. Okay, yeah, he he's the he's that guy. Because even even I feel like beating this guy, Yovis Gomez, he was six and zero. Even though okay, he's Cuban, that three hundred fifty amateur fights. Who cares? It's not. I, I've been pro for ten years. I don't care about amateur experience. I've been professional. I've been. I fight ten rounds now. I don't care about all that amateur. Got I got crazy, crazy professional experience. You know, I know all the tricks. I know all that. You know what I'm saying? I've been in there with tough with, with a, a lot of other vets. So I don't care about the. It's not the amateurs anymore. Things you got away with in the amateurs, you can't get away in the professionals. That's why. That's why Boom he got dropped for the first time in his career. Let's take it a step further. I feel like you always are fighting the boogeyman. Like, yeah. Yo Elvis was a guy that a lot of people, I feel like, was turning down. Marlon Harrington on that local level, I feel like it was a guy a lot of people are turning down. You're kind of not just are you fighting prospects. You're fighting fighters that I feel like nobody but you would say yes to. So, on top of that, like, a guy like Yo Elvis is not getting great opportunities because guys are not giving him great opportunities. And when you beat him, that actually hurts you. Yeah, exactly. Because now... I probably ain't gonna get a lot of opportunities. Guys, like hell, no, I'm not gonna fight this. <laughs> what's the What's the path for for you in your mind as far as like being able to cut all of that out, and you're the guy that's in shot for the title, or you're the guy with the title? Like, what does that path look like in your mind? Um, I feel like I, I would probably need a a big name contender to uh to finally put me in that conversation or I would need a guy to fall out due to injury and they need somebody to fill in, you know, <laughs> something yeah. like that. That's why that's why I'm keeping the door at 160 open. Like I will fight again at 160 if somebody need a replacement, things like that, I will step in at 160. Cause at the end of the day, um I'm gonna be 30 this year. So I'm not I've been professional 10 years, so I'm not a big fan of, of waiting my turn anymore. Uh, I feel like I'm reaching my prime years. So 154, 160 isn't really a big difference to me. I got the skill, the strength, the ability to fight at 160. So if it's the quickest way to the title, that's what that's the way we're going to go, 160. You know what I'm saying? Because I say, I'm not trying to wait anymore. Whatever door is open, we're going to walk through it. Is that 160 so big? We're trying to get to a world title now, man. We we want a world title shot. Yeah, it, it does. It, and like you said, how much benefit is it for you to keep beating undefeated prospects if the prospects. Goal, if the goalpost isn't going to change and yeah. you're not the A side against these kids? No, you know what I'm saying. What you know, it's like at a certain point, you've proven your point enough, and if the narrative's not going to change, like, well, then then put me in for a fucking title. Title. Yes, yeah. for a title, you know, put me in with the top, with the top guy that y'all know is gonna beat me, not the guy that should beat me. Put me in there with a guy like, oh yeah, we okay, yeah, marvelous Marquis Taylor's about to get his ass kicked tonight. He's gonna get his ass. He's finally gonna get knocked, knocked out or knocked down. Cause you know, I still ain't never been knocked down or knocked out. You know that, right? Right. All these guys that oh, I'm gonna knock him out. He got one knockout. I never touched canvas before. You know what I'm saying? I fought all these heavy-handed guys. I stood right in front of them. Still ain't touched canvas yet, but I can't wait. 
So then go ahead and put the guy in there that they just know. They just know going to knock me out. They're going to beat me. And then I'm going to do the same thing that I just did. And you know, I just need to get the fight. Once I get the fight, it's over. I'm, I don't really care who it is, you know. Like I said, hopefully I get a big name that um, that sleeps on me again, that looks at the knockout column. Oh, he has no one knockout. And and uh, keep doing what I've been doing for the last past nine years. You know, they they don't look at who I beat. They don't look at who I fought. They look at a knockout column. And they're like, oh, this is going to be an easy fight. Every time. It's weird. I'm like, y'all don't, don't learn by now? <laughs> Hey, listen, bro, you keep putting these guys on their ass. The, the, that is going to change. You know what I'm saying? Like, at a certain point, even if you're not getting knockouts, if every fight you're in, you're dropping guys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I got one last question for you, Marquise. Um, the Jared Anderson, Jared walking you out, obviously had a big performance previously. Yeah. Can you explain, like, the conversation Jared had with you to be like, hey, man, I'm going to come out with you? Because that, like, I mean, I get you're probably in the same gym, training. But that's yeah. pretty big to have, like, basically a future superstar of boxing walk out with you because, like, I mean, I'm just curious how that story can unfold. Man, you know, well, uh, me and Big Baby, we good friends, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, Real just recognize Real. He be in the gym training his ass off. I be in the gym training my ass off. When he spars, I sit down, I watch, I learn. When I work, he'll watch me. We feed off each other. We both got the same goals to be the best in the game. So it's just that mutual respect. Um, I think he had, uh, he also had a, a, another friend that was fighting on the card as well. So he was already going to be at the card. So um, my cut man had asked, you know, would it be okay for him to, you know, we didn't want to step on anybody's toes him to walk out with me and he immediately was like oh hell yeah no it'd be no problem man. He, he jumped on it he was like hell yeah that's my boy i see him working the gym like i know what he about to go out and do like you know what i'm saying he, he knows already like, like i said a lot of people in boxing they know you know a lot of people don't know but a lot of people like Shakir stevenson like jerry big baby anderson they know they know i'm coming you know and they know and I'm like lukey like yeah. Lukey, you like mentioned Luke. me with Shakur and Jared. Like, you know, That's right. Put me in the same <laughs> sentence as them. <laughs> That's right. Y'all know stranger. Y'all y'all know, you know, y'all know y'all boxing. So shout out to uh Big Baby Answer for doing that. Cause like you said, he just came off the biggest win in his career with uh Charles Martin and he he walked me to the ring, no problems at all. So yeah, I appreciate that. I'm sure I got a lot of a lot of more looks after that because, you know, everybody know um, Big Baby Anderson. You know, he's a knockout artist that, I mean, he just lost his first round of his career, his last fight. <laughs> well, yeah, I want to say something crazy because I went back and watched Jared's fight, right? Yeah. He fought a great fight for the most part and got caught yeah. maybe twice. And yeah. he's been so dominant that yeah. people are like, man, what's wrong? Yeah, you got like, caught a couple. You got a caught a couple. They're like, I don't know if he's he got, got it, bro. He knows. got caught a few times. <laughs> so I mean, dominant. I'm just saying that's the standard. Yeah, he was so he's been so dominant in his career that he get touched one or two times and they oh expose. <laughs> Boxing is a crazy, unforgiving sport, man. You know what I'm saying? It, sometimes you can't you can't do no right. You just got to go in there and and get the win. 
learn from it, always coming to, you know, have a better performance. And that's just how you got to look at it because some people will be happy, some people not. But at the end of the day, as long as you're winning and you, you keep getting better, you know, who cares? The guys that, guys like Luke, the guys like Dakota that know boxing, you know, they know. So who cares about, you know, people that really don't know, you know, about what they're talking about anyway, you know. And at the end of the day, I have to keep winning. That's for sure. And there's a, there's a couple of you guys, man. There's like you and Arnold Barboza. Like there's a couple of guys. They just you keep doing everything. Kenny that's Sims. Asked of, Kenny Sims. You keep doing everything that's asked of you. And at this point, as fans and you as the fighters, it's like just give them the opportunities because every time you give them a task, they do it. Mendoza. No it's like any job, bro. You, if you get a task over and over at a job and you're doing it right, at some point you got to get a promotion, bro. And it's time yeah. for it's time for you to get a promotion. Yeah. Wow. I was telling uh I was telling everybody at the press conference like man y'all understand how happy I am to be here. You know, I don't even I don't even want to talk, you know, mess and all that. I'm just listening. I'm blessed to be here. It, it took a long time to do that, you know what I'm saying? I, I I hear about fighters getting injuries um in camp, having to pull out the fight. You saw uh, uh Ortiz had passed out like the day before the weigh-ins. So I'm hearing stuff like this, you know, around the sport, you know, fights not happening. And I'm like, man, listen, I'm glad that, look, you're healthy, I'm healthy, and we're going to get it home. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, I, I just want to make it to the ring. Right, you know? nothing got fucked up on the way, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, forget all this trash talking, dude. Look, we both, God has blessed us to, for us to make it through camp with no injuries, and we're going to get it on this Saturday because – you look around the sport, a lot of guys are falling out, a lot of fights are falling out, and you know, and and as a fighter, there's nothing you can do about that. Fight fall out, you just spent two months of your life training the hardest you ever trained on a strict diet, discipline, you know what I'm saying? And for all that to go to waste, I'm just that's what I'm really happy about that it the fight happened because Man, I train my ass off. I, you know, I stay in the gym. But when you know you have a fight coming up, you train a little different. You know what I'm saying? When you know that fight's coming up, you kick it up a gear, you know, and you and you just get so disciplined, you know, to, to you you start looking at what you what you eating, what you're drinking, what time you're going to sleep, like, you know, you're just doing everything that you need to do to 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 have the the, the best finished product, which is you. You're the product. So you wanna have the best product going into the fight you know so hey before we i want you to say something uh our guy i'm not even gonna say his full name but you know who i'm talking about our guy q got a win last night they didn't put him on tv um i know you and q know each other a little well um that's pretty cool man i think that q is a guy even though he's never lost a fight i feel like he's got that mentality of i'm a little bit older the promoters yeah, don't they, want me to be there. He's got that chip on his shoulder. And yeah. I think that I, it frustrates me because, like, I love your story, right? Because your story is about overcoming. I love Quentin Randall, the man that he's become through the adversity shaped Quentin. You know, it's like that would break most men. I a think it's a real shame. But, but I mean, like, if you know, you know what he's been yeah. through. Mentally strong man and one of the best people I've ever met. It yeah. frustrated me that that fight didn't make the Showtime telecast. Yeah. No, no disrespect to Freddie Rojas. I think he's a great fighter, great team. But I wanted to see Q's story told because I feel like that's a story a lot of men. It's a big story. 
a lot of men have faced that story, and I think his story needs to be public because that's a story. A lot of men deal with suicide. A lot of men deal with depression, incarceration, losing a loved one. And the way he's bounced back, it, like it's like it's uh, second nature. I was just disappointed that we didn't get that to open the card. And, you know, guys like guys like me, guys like you, man, we just be happy. We we on the card. To be honest with you. Guys like me, guys like you, we, we be happy that we on the prelims man, that we have any slot, bro. Um, when I found out that I was going to fight on this card, at first they had us as a TV opener. I was, I didn't care about the TV. I was like, okay, is a Jerome Boots in his card? Even if I'm not on TV, you know, it's just like the fact that I got a call, you know, and I'm going to be on the card, man. Guys like me and Q, we get happy for that, man, because like I said, we don't get too, too many opportunities. So then when they move that fight up to a co-main event, I, I couldn't believe it. I literally could. I was like, me? They they put me co-main event on a Jerron Boots in his card. I'm like, what? That's so you know, you're not gonna be belittling someone and saying I'm the A side. You got to take this much. You're never gonna do that. To, I'm just playing with you. <laughs> like you know, here I am. I'm acting like, like you know, like I don't deserve it. Like I haven't put in the work. Like I haven't been beating all these undefeated fighters to get you know to get this slot, you know, and I had to think about it. it was And I was like, you know what, man, I have put in the work, man. Just nine months ago, I beat a knockout artist on Showbox. You know, I, I have kind of put in the work. I had to keep, I had to keep telling myself that because I just couldn't believe it, you know. And I, I was just really, man, I was really grateful, you know, that. And, I, and, and Q, I talked to him before this fight. You know, he was very grateful. You know, Errol Spence put him on this card, you know, so – he, he was, was in all crazy. access, bro. Him and Coach Collinsworth. I saw him on the yeah. episode one. Yeah, so he, he was very, very grateful for, for even, you know, the opportunity that he got. Like you said, as a fan, you wish that, you know, you saw him on TV, you know, him showing his story. And like you said, nothing to take away from, you know, Freddie's my guy too. I'm very happy. I like Freddie. Good amateur, fought Tiger a lot in the amateurs. Going to have a very guy. successful career, but he's young. He's got yeah. time to get his story out. Yeah. Q, Q's a seasoned veteran. Yeah, he's, yeah, he, he don't have that much time. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to put a limit on another man. You know, as long as Q keep working like he does, Q might. Do this longer than what everybody expects him to do. You know? He, he kind of reminds me of Bernard Hopkins, bro. And I know Bernard's yeah. a major inspiration to him, but Q reminds yeah. me of B-Hop. Yeah. And the dude got the dude got the biggest will to win, man. And, and he on a mission. You know, it's hard to stop a man that's that got the mindset like Q got this on a mission. You know, it's different. It goes deeper than boxing. Like you said, you know his story. So it just runs deeper than boxing. Same with me. <clears throat> I tell people all the time, you know, it runs deeper than boxing. Like, I bring in everything with me to the ring, man. I bring in my situation, how I feel like I'm one of the top guys in the sport, you know, and I'm not really, you know, sought out, not really signed to a big promoter. I don't have scheduled fights on TV. Um, I still have to sit back and wait for calls. You know, I still I still work full time for a living, you know, so I take 
I take all this with me in the ring. You know, I take all this anger, this pain with me into the ring, this frustration. Yeah, bro, you do, you're fighting on Showtime, working a full-time job? Huh? I, did you just say you're fighting on Showtime, working a full-time job? Yeah, I got two jobs. Wow, I work man. over 40 hours a week. I'm already back at work. That's crazy, bro. Yeah, and I'm fighting these guys. Like, yo, this dude, you from Cuba. All you got to do, oh, you're here for boxing. All you got to do is box. You know what I'm saying? That's all you got to do is box. I work over 40 hours a week and still train hard enough to be on an elite level and beat elite guys. So when that time does come to where I really can solely focus on this, I'm going to another level. I'm going to go to another level. I haven't peaked. Marvelous Marquise Taylor has not peaked yet. I have not peaked yet. You haven't seen the best performance. You, you see better performances, but you haven't seen the best yet. I haven't peaked yet. It's gonna get scary, you know. As time, as I keep progressing in this sport, you know, I feel like my peak is gonna be really scary because I'm I'm already a problem. You know, my style is already a problem. When, when I fill in those little gaps and those little holes, it, it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be scary. So like I said, man, boxers like like me, like you, like we bring we bring pain, we bring. We bring trauma. We bring a lot of stuff into the ring with us that they got us fighting these young prospects. They're not ready for that, man. They're not ready for that. This guy, yo, was Gomez, you had to fight five, six times, and boom, you're on the same stage that I had to go through hell or hot water to get to. So you're not taking it as serious as I'm taking it. This this opportunity is, is way bigger to me than it is to you because look how easy it was for you to get here. Well, and I think I think uh, Marquise, it shows because it was easy for him to give up the opportunity, as easy as it was for him to get the opportunity. Whereas I saw you very early on in that first round, you took the fight to him, you took the fight from him, and I think that speaks to what you're saying. And I had it, and I had. I'm gashing blood. I'm losing crazy amounts of blood. I felt blood was getting in my eye. I felt the like blood feel like. Really, really hot sweat, and and I kept out the white. You kept if you kept if you watch the fight, you'll see me doing this in the fight. That was me getting the blood out my eye. I went back to the corner. I come in, I was like, man, how you feeling, man? And you know the cut is kind of is getting bigger. <laughs> and I screamed. I was like, man, fuck this cut because it's like, man, fuck this cut, bro. This is my life right here. I don't give a fuck if the cut. Opens all the way up to my chin. I don't care. I'm like, <laughs> this opportunity was hard for me to get. I'm not leaving here without the win. So I, I, I didn't change my style up or anything. I kept coming forward, dogging him with a with a big gash, with a big cut. You know, I was rubbing my head. I, I didn't, I didn't care. The cut didn't, didn't do didn't change anything. You know, he tried to hit at it, but you know, I. You know, it, it didn't change anything. I, I went, I was numb that fight, man. It was something in me. I wasn't, wasn't leaving that ring without a win. I'm going to pass it over to Dakota. Dakota, do you have anything left for Marquise? I don't have any questions, man. I really appreciate your time today, man. And uh, we both hope that at some point you get an opportunity that's worthy of your talent, bro. 
We're fans, oh, bro. Sure. We're fans of your style. We're fans of someone that takes your journey. We're big on fighters taking real fights, right? We're not big on, hey, man, let's put everything in your favor. Let's bring a featherweight up to middleweight and have your rec shop on them. We're, we're fans of the old school, guys that earn their position. And I'm going on a Lukey rant here, but this get, why I like boxing is about respect. You earn your respect amongst the men in your division. You, you earn it with your fists. And I think that we've lost a little bit of the respect in this game. It's been a lot of strategic maneuvering. And when I see a guy like you, when I see a Barbosa, Kenny Sims, Quentin, I respect the hell out of you because really our world champions should be looking more like you than they should be. You know, I don't have to say any names, but everybody knows. Look at who the people are calling out. And then that kind of speaks to what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Anything you want to say to the people before we wrap it up? Yeah, please. say your social media because we're going to talk about all the boxing from the past weekend because people will kill us if we don't talk about the fights <laughs> this weekend. They'll be like, oh, man, that interview was cool, but we want we want your analysis is the same as everybody else's. On the, <laughs> we, we want those same hot Martin takes. Fight. Yeah, we want that Frank Martin insight. We want we want the Alicia Bumgarner. We want the Cambosis yeah. breakdown. Which, yeah. by the way, I'll I'll share my Cambosis take right now. We might even sneak a Cambosis segment right here. I think Cambosis might lose to Maxi Hughes. Cambosis can't can't he, he can't handle a jab. He can't come forward. He can't create offense coming forward. He has to go backwards. And he can punch real well when you're coming to him. But like anyone that thinks that this is just like a gimme fight, he fired his whole team. So it's like he's got a new unit. He's training in Australia. I think anyone that thinks that Cambosis fight is an easy fight is tripping. Bro, Maxi yeah. Hughes, another one of those B-side fighters that just keeps doing what is asked of him and getting upsets every fight. So that could that yeah. could be a tough one. Yeah. Hey man, it, it's hard fighting a guy that, that's that's on a mission, man. You know, that said, I'm already I'm back in the gym right now. I know there's a target on my hand, so feeling that pressure. I got back in the gym. I'm already back in the gym, training, getting ready for for the next big news. I know you know somebody is bringing is gonna be another big name, and and uh, our team we can't wait. We can't wait. is a good thing, bro, because that means there's expectations. If there's no expectations, you're just gonna keep being the B side, bro. So now there's expectations. Yeah. yeah so we are. We feeling the pressure. We already back in the gym. We going hard. We letting this this heal up. My cut heal up. And, and we trying to be out. We trying to be back out there October, September. I want to be on that Canelo and, and Jamel Tarlo call. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean that's good. Do you want to shout out your social media or um, yeah, any of that uh, stuff? Yeah, everybody follow my Twitter at uh, Marvelous, M-A-R-V-E-L-O-U-S underscore Keys, Q-U-I-S. And uh, same thing on Instagram, Marvelous, M-A-R-V-E-L-O-U-S underscore Keys, Q-U-I-S on Instagram, Marquise Taylor on Facebook. Well, thank you for uh, coming on big fans and wh- whenever you feel you got something that you need to say, you're right. always welcome to jump on with us. So and I appreciate, yeah. that. appreciate that. It's all love, bro. We real, like you all said, love. real recognize real. Damn. I know Luke, you're going to say some dope shit. And he, of course he freezes every interview. There he is. I, I was just saying real recognize real. And we recognize what you're doing in the sport. So 
we might not have the biggest platform, but we do have a platform. It gets seen. And we choose to pick the fighters that we feel like are taking the big fights to us, you know, taking real, I guess what I should say is real fights. We want to put spotlight on fighters who might be floating under the radar for people that enjoy what we do. We want to use this platform to build up some of these fighters taking big chances like yourself, Q, Barbosa, all these guys. So we thank you. You're always welcome. And now we're about to talk some Frank Martin Showtime Boxing. Yes, sir. I appreciate you for having me, Luke. Appreciate you, Dakota. Look forward to talking to y'all real soon about some big news. Doesn't it? Uh, shout out Houston. Shout out Texas. We love y'all. Lone Star State. Hook 'em horns. All that stuff. Um, <laughs> from California to Texas, it's one and the same. So, shout out to all y'all. Yes, sir. Okay, Dakota. Do you want to start our conversation on Mr. Frank Martin? So. Oh. I mean, I, I, I'm not entirely sure where to start. Obviously, it was a very close fight. He's coming off this Michelle Rivera fight where he's extremely dominant over another unbeaten fighter with a lot of hype. Now he's fighting an unbeaten fighter that's also an Olympian but has no hype behind him whatsoever. He has a close, tough fight, and everyone's surprised by it. I think we even talked about it last week that this has kind of like spoiler fight written all over it. And it came close to being that, but I think Frank was pretty clutch in the last three rounds and in, in really putting his foot on the gas and, and pulling it out. I mean, I think that the one observation I have about Mr. Frank is kind of the king of his power has to affect the fighter. Like if his power is not a factor in the fight, he might have a lot of trouble. That's one thing we're learning about him. The other thing we're learning is uh, this opponent was greatly disrespected. I think people were expecting this guy to lay down and, and make a bed for himself. This looked like uh, a non-clinching version of Kelbrook versus Sean Porter through the first six rounds. This was a guy who came in with a great game plan. And really what I saw was Frank Martin's power and his ability to ins and create damage on Artem was the difference. Artem was not able to make his punches affect Martin as much. Um, I thought the punch stats were kind of baloney. The punch stats to me did not reflect the fight I saw. I saw Martin win some rounds clearly and Artem win rounds clearly. I think this fight was fairly one or two swing rounds at most, but um, that scared me. I've got a marking from the hospital and I thought I had a bruise and I was like, wait, what's going on there? Is that kind of insight? Yeah, like, is that a huge bug bite or something? But to me, I thought the story of the fight, if we're going to do story of the fight, a big HBO boxing guy is Martin's punches did more damage over the long term in the fight. And that damage was what propelled him to victory. Totally. And and I think, you know, as good as Artem was throughout the fight, Frank dominated the last three rounds and had his, his best rounds of the fight at the end of the fight, put the guy on his ass and was able to, uh, or, or made the guy take a knee, I should say, and was able to pull ahead. And, I mean, that's ultimately what you want to see in a championship fighter is not just that they dominate every second, but in a challenging fight that they can figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's hard because, right, Frank Martin's probably the most unknown guy of this, like, super team that Derek James has. Like, he's got, like, the Justice League of boxers. He's got Ryan Garcia, Errol Spence Jr., Anthony Joshua, 
Jermel Charlo. He's got all these really, really famous guys. And Frank Martin's kind of like the most unknown of them. And I think he's being held to a superstar standard when he's closer to like a William Zapata, a really solid contender who he's still developing into a world champion. I don't think it's fair to put his name in the mix with established world champions yet. Is that a fair take, Dakota? Um, I think it's fair. I do think he's at a, a level where he's in that conversation. You know what I mean? He's in the same way that William Zapata is in that conversation, right? If he got a shot at a lightweight title, I would say he's deserving of it at this point. But no, I don't think he's at the same level as those guys yet. I think that the my guess is, and of course, now everybody comes on. We had a great interview with Marquise, and then everyone's like, oh, boxing talk, Frank Martin. It's the same opinions that everyone has. Let's get in here. Um, the... To me, the fight that needs to be made is Isaac Cruz, Giovanni Cabrera winner versus Frank Martin. I believe they're both WBC type of fighters. Um, I'm confused by Frank Martin versus Shakur because there's now three different WBC lightweight eliminator fights. That confuses me on how that's going to work because I thought Shakur was fighting for the number one spot. Then Frank and Artem were fighting for the number one spot. And then I looked at Pitbull's fight and that's for a number one spot. So... I don't know. Yeah, a number one spot of what? There's there's almost only so much I can follow that because it's like it's like reading your fucking, you know, optimum bill. Like there's just, you know, there's too much bullshit and too many asterisks and whatever, man. Uh, to me that I just think Frank Martin versus Isaac Cruz slash Cabrera, that's the fight to make. 100%. It really that's creates a, a contender. Fight. That's a great fight. I think Frank Martin... People might be critical, but I think the positive is this is a fight he could have lost. Derek James was very honest with him in the corner, um, and he found a way to win, and I think that that's an elite attribute. These are the type of fights some yeah. fighters lose, and Frank found a way to win it. I think there was genuine concern. Um, what do you think of Frank saying that his reflexes and timing weren't there in the fight? Uh, he hasn't fought since December, right? So that's going to be a factor. This is his first fight in the calendar year. Um, I think some of that has to be the opponent, right? He's got that kind of Dimitri Bivol jump in and out with the extended front hand style. It's just uh, it's tricky to deal with if somebody knows how to do it well. So, you know, I think the opponent has something to do with it. I think the inactivity has something to do with it. Sometimes that's an indicator of weight having something to do with it, right? That you took something out of you in the gym where you, at one point your reflexes peaked and then you went just a little too far over the edge. There could be there could be a lot of different things. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something to to keep in mind. When fighter fighters often tell us the truth and we often don't listen. You know what I mean? They're often saying what they really think after a fight, and we're like, oh, maybe it's this. I think there's something that we can listen to where Frank didn't feel great about this. Um, Derek James getting a lot of praise for his coaching of this fight. How did you feel Derek did? I thought he did a good job of being really honest about, you know, the fact that he was losing the fight. I mean, I think that uh, most people thought he was losing the fight at that point. Um, and I think we've seen him be so calm. So to see him get like a little bit more emotional and become more of a motivator, I thought was impressive. 
Yeah, I also thought it was interesting on the All Access show, um, Derek did a... I didn't know he was a practicing Buddhist. That was like an, a right. hidden element of his story, but I thought I thought it was like a fine professional performance. I won't lie to you. I wasn't super excited about this matchup. I didn't know a lot about Artem. Frank Martin's an emerging guy, but I think that he's a guy that's going to have to challenge someone I'm more interested in, and that's going to create the moment that gets me excited. This was kind of like a... I just had surgery. I'm going to throw this fight on, but maybe if I hadn't just had surgery, I might not be watching this live type fight. So, I mean, for me, this was more of filler content. It turned into an interesting fight, but I think it's also like, we're going to look back at this fight in three fights. And this is going to either be the point where Frank Martin ascends or he declines. I think this is, this is the start of where his trajectory goes. I agree with that for sure. It's definitely a, a fork in the road. Fork in a road. Um, the co-main event of this fight, Elvis Rodriguez, Victor Postal, man, were we wrong? Actually, we weren't really that wrong. It was just, I think in the fifth round, Elvis said that his power hurt Postal. Sixth round, Postal kind of stopped engaging and was like moving too much. And uh, it just looked like the power of Elvis overtook Victor Postal. Anything you want to talk about with this post-all win? I mean, listen, bro. I'm I, I've been a, a a big Elvis Rodriguez fan since the bubble, and I've been saying since the since the top rank bubble during COVID that I thought this guy was going to be something special, and I think that he is becoming that. Right? Like he had a, a, a tentative couple rounds, and then he completely took over this fight against a guy who's been with the very best of his era and has never really been dominated. And ultimately, Elvis was able to legitimately stop him in a manner that no one else has. You know, I remember in that like fall of 2020 era, I was like, man, it's either going to be Elvis Rodriguez or Edgar Berlanga. And then when Elvis took the the loss first, I was like, oh, well, I guess it is going to wind up being Edgar. And what's funny is we're seeing how empty that un unbeaten record is because it's forced Elvis to up his game in literally every way to a point where he's now dominating contender level fighters and Edgar is struggling with fringe contenders. So I think it's uh, I think it speaks a lot to Elvis and, and the route he's taking, which is not dissimilar to uh, Marquise's route. Where do you think he goes? Do you think he'll land like a Sabril Matisse fight? Do you think he'll get maybe a Gary Antoine Russell fight? Like what's the next step? Because I feel like Victor Postal, if you beat him, there's not that many guys ahead of him. Like he's about as good of a, he's like a gatekeeper to a world title fight. Not he's, like 11, he's the 11th guy, right? So yeah. now you're talking about Elvis is either the 11th guy or legitimately top 10 himself. Um, and I mean, I, I think he's right there, bro. I do. I, I mean, I would love to see him and Arnold. I know that doesn't do anything for Arnold who deserves a title shot right now, but I would love to see that fight. I'm blanking on what was the first fight of this card. What what opened this telecast? Man. Oh, uh, Freddie Rojas. Freddie Rojas. We already talked about that. So Freddie Rojas looked good. Um, good performance. A, good performance. Yeah, it was a good TV debut. Big, strong kid. Um, for those unaware, Nonito Donaire versus uh, Alexandrio Santiago was supposed to be on the card. It got pushed back because Jesus Ramos had a hand injury for the pay-per-view fight. 
and uh, Victor Faust also had a back injury, so they had to change the Spence Crawford. When we go to news and notes, we'll talk about that more. I mean, there's not too much to say about Freddie Rojas's performance other than he looks really good. He fought he a better guy. Hard. He's got good technical skills. He's not just a puncher. So there's there's good there's a lot to build on. Good temperament too. Like yeah. didn't didn't force anything. Fought a very composed fight. Very impressive. But that being said, young um, Quentin Randall won on the undercard. Of course, it wasn't televised. They didn't even put it on a prelim. That's a darn shame because we're fans of Quentin. He fought Willie Jones, who's also a very, very respectable and good fighter. That's a shame Willie's family also didn't get to see the fight because, you know, it just kind of sucks. Uh, Anthony Cuba also beat Angel Robolero, which is a majority decision win. Shame we didn't get to see that, but that's just kind of what's happening with some of these fights. That's the Showtime card. Um I get frustrated at the fact that Showtime doesn't stream prelims sometimes. We talk about it every time they don't do it, right? I mean, they do it part of the time now. They used to never do it. Now they do it part of the time. So the fact that they do it part of the time almost makes it even more frustrating when they don't do it. Just put a put an iPhone down there. Just put an iPhone on a little, uh, like, what is it called? Like a gorilla tripod or whatever. Put it on the ring rope. In I a corner in my apartment right now. If Steven Espinosa would like to borrow one, yeah, I mean it's just just put it on the corner. But we know we're not even asking for commentary. Just give us a live feed. Fucking like, zip tie a tripod to the ring post. Yeah, I mean it's just yeah, it's um pretty unacceptable. Uh, you didn't watch Alicia Bumgardner's fight against Christian. I can't pronounce Christia Christina, whatever. Yeah, I can't pronounce the name. Um. I'm seeing a troubling sign with Alicia. I like what her, like, to be fair, I had the Michaela Mayer fight over momentarily. Okay. And it, it's great because like, I gotta, I gotta go to the bathroom in a second too, but I'm going to fill dead air is Alicia Bumgarner to me. We're starting to see a troubling sign. I, I had a draw with her versus Michaela. Then against Aleem where my friend Dakota went to see it. She got tired late in the fight in this fight. Once again, we're seeing kind of the same performance as the mayor fight where she's starting very strong, but then she kind of coasts towards the end. And I get that that's a level of dominance. I do think she's the best 130 pounder, but I'm starting to wonder, is she going to go to that next level? Because it's seeming as though she's really enjoying the stardom and the perks that come with stardom, but I'm not seeing some of the growth and domination that Marquise Taylor talked about earlier in this program in which she's putting forth dominant performances. She did dominate in this fight, but at the end of the fight, it seemed like she was tired, gassed out a little bit, and it made me have more questions about how she does at the highest level of the sport. Yes, it was a big avenging uh, win and coming back, showing resiliency, but I think that I have a lot, I still have a lot of unanswered questions with Alicia Baumgartner because she made such a big splash when she emerged that I'm a little concerned that she hasn't had a performance that's equaled the mayor performance just to restate what I had already said, because I'm probably going to try to go to the bathroom in a second that Bumgarner's kind of doing groundhog's day on the mayor performance, just slowly, not as good each performance. Well, and I think it speaks to just the competitive nature where, the fight with her, Mika- I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't think she won that fight. I thought Michaela won the fight. I said it when it happened. I've watched it since then. I feel the same way about it. Um, 
she won the first two or three rounds and then I think maybe won a round or two in the middle. Um, you know, if you don't learn lessons from fights like that because you get the decision and then you have no interest in a rematch, like, I don't know, that does say something about you as a competitor. I do think she's incredibly talented. She's got a lot of star power, but she does the thing that Josh Kelly does where she does a lot of things really well and she doesn't do anything consistently. So it's, it's, you know, when you start getting in with the Katie Taylors and the Chantel Camerons and the Amanda Serrano's, that shit doesn't fly. I think I also want to speak to, I'm a little nervous about her embracing of stardom. It seems like she's very happy to be a star and very happy to kind of, she comes out with the rapper and all, a lot of people do that. But I mean, it just feels as though, she's really wanted to be a celebrity and I'm a little concerned at the growth as a fighter with her emerging as a celebrity. It feels like this might be her ceiling somewhat. And that lesson will come the hard way if, and when it comes, you know, I think that's literally all we have to say about this fight. It, it was a good homecoming. She avenged her loss. She defended her undisputed titles, Yep, but it's still kind she of a job done. She did. She get got the, the job done. done. But I think it's still kind of a shoulder shrug performance because we've seen her. She's an, a main event fighter. She's an A-list celebrity in boxing. And she's had kind of two, no disrespect, skippable performances now. And she has the attributes of a fighter that's more than a get-the-job-done fighter. So now we want to see it. Well, she has the attributes of possibly being one of the most iconic women's boxers in the history of the sport. She has the, from the look to her skill set, she has the potential to be someone that millions and i mean millions of young women look up to and say i got into boxing because i'm a pretty girl and i'm athletic and i want to be like alicia Baumgartner. i think she's gonna have a huge influence and i think that the problem is we're gonna grade her based on her influence so we're not gonna hold her to the regular standards we're gonna hold her to this is the standard we hold you to because of your greatness factor i agree so now we're going to, I'm going to go to the bathroom and you're going to start the Andy Cruz debate that could get heated. Well, listen, I'm, I'm high on Andy Cruz, man. I watched the fights with Keyshawn. I'm a big fan of his. He's getting in there on his pro debut with a guy who's had damn near 45, 50 fights um, and won every single round. And I thought made certain transitions and changes from his amateur style to fit a professional round better. Um, and I was impressed with, with how he got the job done. I think Andy Cruz is going to have a, a, a tremendous professional career. Is it going to be perfect? No, no career is, but I think that he could be, and, and, and like a lot of great amateurs, he could take a stumble at some point in here, like Robesi, like Vasily Lomachenko. Um, but in my mind, I think he has the attributes to be a great pro. He's extremely fast, a great sense of distance. He's accurate as fuck. I mean, he barely missed a, a power punch in this whole fight. Um, and he doesn't he doesn't have that that power puncher thing where he's so committed to throwing one punch that he just doesn't let his hands go. Um, and, and, and I think the volume is going to be a real problem for guys too because he's fast enough to get off a uh, – a four or five punch combination. I see Tony Yayo asking, is Cruz training with Boots Ennis? I'm not sure. They do have the same trainer, so I'm guessing that um, he's at least in the vicinity of Boots Ennis now and then. Um, 
but and I think that speaks to his development as a bro as well is you know fighting uh, you know as part of a, a, a Philadelphia camp you know that's that's different than than the Cuban amateur system you know what I'm saying it's extremely different so he's obviously getting a a, a crash course on the pro game and um I think he, I think he passed the passed the test of flying colors I still um it's hard it's hard for me to go to the bathroom right now because I don't want to rip my stitches so it's like I'm going to I'm going to be back and forth for the viewers because I still have to go but I couldn't go because my stitches I don't want to tear them. My issue with Andy Cruz is this. I think he's one of the most amazing pure boxing distance fighters I've ever seen in my life. I think he's phenomenal and I think that it's going to be very hard for most people to watch him because he's a purest delight. I also think he's the most amateur boxer I've ever seen. And it's going to be a very hard transition to get him to fight on the inside. I think it's going to be very, very difficult for him to find comfort on the inside. I know he's working towards that. I really hate the way he throws his left hook when he tries to throw a check hook. He stands straight up. I think it's totally there for him to get hit with an overhand right. I think that guys like Robesi, Guillermo Rigondeaux, and Yoriokas Gamboa had a level of power that Andy Cruz will never have. This is more of a methodical thinking man's fighter. Who's going to dink and dot you and outpoint you kind of play tag with you. I think guys like Rigondeaux who got roasted as a pro, he loaded up on big left hands. Gamboa loaded up on power. Robisi loads up on power. Lara, Lara also was a good Lara loads up on power. I think that, it's going to be a little rough for Andy Cruz with the expectation because he's so different than the Cubans we've seen as pros that have been the iconic Cubans. I think he's very similar to Gamboa, to be honest. I saw a lot of similarities between him and Gamboa. And if anything, I think he's technically better and more disciplined. Maybe he doesn't hit as hard, but I think he makes up for it with accuracy and volume and consistency. And I think that that it's going to be, I so my thing with Andy Cruz has always been, I think he's going to be a work in progress. I think he could be the greatest fighter of this generation or the greatest bust. But I don't think anyone feels confident besides an idiot forecasting where he's going to go in the sport. Because I think that he's coming in with great attributes for amateur boxing, but he's a work in progress to develop into a pro. Now, that being said, he turns pro in a 10-round fight. He beats a guy that's a very, very good fighter, Juan Carlos Burgos. But against the top fighters there's a level of physicality Andy Cruz has to develop and build towards to fight these top guys you may be right I think that it's going to be harder for those top guys than they think and sometimes the physicality doesn't matter if you can't hit a guy it's true I just I think a guy like Frank Martin might be getting outboxed but if he starts landing on those shoulders Andy Cruz isn't used to going 12 rounds and dealing with big power punchers and i think that that's the x factor with andy cruz is how durable is yeah, yeah looky how 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 talented must he be that he's had one fight and we're having this conversation i mean he's he's literally the greatest amateur boxer of the last eight years yeah. like he's literally in the most literal sense he's the greatest amateur boxer and the only reason we are roasting him to a certain degree is people are trying to say he's where lomachenko started and I don't think that he's as finished of a product as Lomachenko, but I also think that he's not far behind a Lomachenko. 
It's just, I think the expectation is the promoters are saying he's fighting for a world title in 2024. So I'm not looking at him on what he's doing, which is amazing. I'm looking at him as he's fighting for a belt in 2024. And that's the way I'm entering this conversation. I feel that. Fortunately, I think we'll get to see that play out because he's very talented. I mean, it's going to be fun because he's going to move the needle. Yep. Because it's like people are going to have a bunch of hot takes about him and all that stuff. Um, any undercard, Jermaine Franklin, O'Quinn, any thoughts? Jermaine Franklin had a really good performance against a guy that didn't really let his hands go, but I thought Jermaine looked good. I think the last one from this weekend that I'm interested in talking about briefly is um, Josh Kelly's win over, uh, unfortunately, an opponent that I can't remember his name, but I think that speaks to the fight. I've been high on Josh Kelly since he went pro, and sometimes you see it and you see the dazzling hand speed and you see the things that he does well and it's really special. And then sometimes he go he gets in with a guy that he's way bigger and more talented than and somehow it goes 12 rounds and you're sort of left scratching your head like, why was this so unsatisfying? And um, I'm not sure what he's going to do or what his plan is or what his progression is, but I found his fight yesterday to be kind of a frustrating performance to watch. For somebody with his gifts i mean i went back and watched it after you texted me and to me this just was a waste of time you know this is a guy that i thought he was going to be better than josh taylor when i first saw both of them i was like this guy's can put it all together and you said it best right it's like the guy doesn't have focus in the ring he has all this talent he walks around with his hands down, like you know, being cocky and whatever, and that's great. You can do that, but then you gotta you gotta fucking put hands on people. Roy didn't walk around with his hands down to not let his hands go. He did that because he was whooping that ass, and he was gonna fucking show you how easy he can make it. And I think Josh just has a sense of himself that maybe isn't accurate. Think I think also um, there's a level of cockiness to him in which I think he feels that he's much better than his opponents than I think is true. I think that he feels like he's outclassing these opponents in a manner where like, once again, like our guest Marquise Taylor said separation. I didn't really see a huge separation here. I saw Kelly win, but this looked like this is his home. This looked like the type of opponent that is the level he's at. And given that I said earlier that I thought he was going to be better than Josh Taylor, that's pretty doggone disappointing. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a it's a weird one, man. I can't quite figure out what his thing is. I think he has very fast hands, great reflexes, but he's not a defensive virtuoso, right? He gets hit with some bullshit sometimes because he's just not paying attention. And I think he needs to change it up the mentality and he needs to, to go in there with like, a, I have a point to prove. And I just don't see that from him. So it's hard for me as a fan to stay engaged with somebody who's not engaged in their own fight. Very true. Uh, Cambosis versus Maxi Hughes. I'll go over my take again and then try to go to the bathroom once again. Um, I really think Maxi Hughes is a live dog in this fight. I think Maxi Hughes has fought kind of the tougher competition. I think George Cambosis had a great win over Teofimo Lopez, but people forget Lee Selby gave him a lot of issues. Mickey Bay gave him a lot of issues. A jab gives him a lot of issues. Maxi Hughes has a decent jab. Um, 
I think this is oh, a Maxi, Max, Maxi's right there, dude. Max, I don't see that big of a gap in the talent here. I think this no, is 55 45. This is a 50 50 yeah, yeah. fight. Don't get it twisted, bro. This is a 50 50 fight. 100%. And I think that this is going to tell us a lot about Cambosis. I mean, those two Haney fights, a jab beat him. He's gotten rid of his most successful team with Peter Kahn and JC. Maxi has a great jab. Maxi has a great jab. Maxi's actually, I think, beaten some really tough fighters who I'm not sure Cambosis would get by. Kid Galahad is one of them. I'm not looking at this fight as like some gimme type bout. Like this is Isn't it amazing though with a guy like Maxi Hughes who's overachieved in some sense, like relative to his lack of punching power? Then you watch a Josh Kelly and you're like, God, what a fucking waste. I mean, I look at that all the time, but I think that that's what makes a Maxi Hughes. Um, where do you see Cambosis right now? Because I think that this fight also, I think personally, uh, George Cambosis is too small for lightweight. I think he's a 130 pounder fighting at lightweight. Um, I think that it's more a lifestyle issue with Cambosis, to, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. Um, I really think Hughes is going to come in here and really, really lower the stock of cambosis uh i'm not sure what the outcome will be but i think that the outcome of this fight will be cambosis is no longer considered a top 10 lightweight i mean this with all due respect to george cambosis because i actually like him as a fighter and i think he's talented and i think he's entertaining but i think he's fighting this guy at the wrong point in his career and i personally think that maxi hughes is just on a run and he's gonna carry that momentum of the last couple of years into this fight and I think that he could very well wind up beating George Cambosis if Cambosis isn't at his absolute best and isn't bringing the guy um, that fought Tiafimo Lopez. Because um, that's I, ultimately what it's going to require is that he's the best version of himself. He can't um, come into this fight thinking impatiently or not fully focused on Maxi Hughes because if he's not, he will lose this fight. Maxi Hughes beaten quality fighters like Lukey said uh, uh kid galahad john o'carroll there's a couple other prospect level guys too that he's beaten that you know on paper you wouldn't expect him to beat so um he's definitely an overachiever he's a thinking man's fighter and i think at the end of the day it's it's absolutely a 50 50 fight um and and i'm excited for it i'm actually going to look at the undercard real quick um, and see if there's anything else from that weekend. So bear with us, folks. Um, let's see. Well, we're going to get Keyshawn Davis on that undercard. We get, This is a nice undercard, actually. Keyshawn Davis versus Francesco Patera. Don't really know the, the opponent, but I know Giovanni, San, Giovanni Santillan versus Eric Bonet. That's a fun little matchup. Santillan, another one of those guys that keeps doing everything that's asked of him and just seems to only make lateral moves in the division, just can't seem to position himself for, for a big fight. But that's the only big meaningful card for that weekend. Um, so here I'll, I'll give it, I'll fill us in is um, we'll get, we'll get going and then we got to get going because I got to handle my biz. I got to wrap um, it up too. So, um, Basically, Keyshawn Davis in a kind of a stay busy type fight um, against an opponent we don't really know. We're expecting him to kind of look good. Uh, Eric Bonet, Giovanni Santillian, that's a really interesting contender fight. 
Bonet, very underrated. That we got Troy Isley, we got Stephen Shaw, and there's one other guy, uh, Jeremiah Milton. So that's the undercard UFC fight pass. We got a couple of good fights. Sergey Boachuk, last Thompson boxing show is happening. Pro Box has a, a card on Saturday with uh, Vidal, and that's your. It's an appetizer leading into Spence Crawford. So. It's very mellow. We're going to be back. Next week's show is going to be a little bit on this, but it's really going to be Spence Crawford heavy. Let's be honest. Yeah, and in a way, Fulton. And in a way, Fulton. So really, it's a feeler. Any of those undercard fights got you excited, Dakota? Always excited to see Keyshawn, for sure. Um, Francesco Patera. I think I've actually seen this guy. He's pretty good. Um, uh, yeah, man. I mean, it's a nice little undercard. It's not you're not gonna be mad. Um, I think the shocker is I think Stefan Shaw is like all the way at the bottom of the card currently. I don't even see him on ESPN, so oh he's not even listed on ESPN anymore. So I think he might have been taken off. Um Jeremiah Milton's a guy who's been sparring Anthony Joshua a lot, so that's a guy to watch for. Troy Isley making his noise up in the middleweight division. And um, I mean, this is basically a, a filler card with a good main event and keeping Keyshawn busy. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Dakota, thank you for doing this. Uh, as you guys know, it wasn't the most exciting. It's not the most exciting couple of weeks, but we're getting closer to Spence Crawford. So bear with us. Dakota, any information you want to share with the public? Um, go check out my interview with Quentin Randall, who was unfortunately taken off the Showtime car, but go get a little of that backstory that you missed from Showtime. There you go. Okay, we're out. Take care, everybody.